back to the show. If you're just joining us, welcome to it. 7.15 here on a midweek Wednesday morning, International Women's Day. Thanks to all our uh, female listeners. Always appreciate you having you. Uh, well, we appreciate everybody listening, but in uh, particular on this very day. J.R. Simmer and Hammer with you. we got Dave Poole and our TSN Hockey Insider joining us uh, one hour from now. Uh, and then uh, later on this hour, actually, we're going to take a trip uh, to warmer climbs, Florida. Uh, and we're going to talk to TSN golf analyst Bob Weeks. He's down in Florida for the Players' Championship, which actually begins uh, tomorrow. Uh, usually one of the strongest fields of the year, uh, the unofficial fifth major. This is, of course, the course with the uh, very famous uh, Island Green uh, on uh, 17. How many balls simmer over the last? I think I read this. I want to make sure I'm accurate, but okay. I'm yeah. trying to remember what I read. Yeah. Yeah. I believe. How many balls do you think that the pros have hit in the water at 17 in the last? I think it's 30 years. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. 30 years. You got four rounds. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Oh, man, Jerry. I'm going to go um, 370. Mm, I think it's not. I believe the number was 924. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Like it was, okay. A, it yeah. was a number that was bigger. Yeah. Than I thought they got the big old net on the bottom of that. You think? Mm, don't think so. No, well, that okay. wouldn't be good for the fishies or anything, would it? Well, I don't think they're caring about fishing that. I thing, don't but... really think they care about <laughs> balls in the water. Oh, okay. If no, no, no. I just if meant... you're uh, if you're paying, yeah. I think it's uh, three or four hundred around to play That's there. True. I don't think yeah. you're caring about dunking a five dollar ball. No, no, no. I meant for the course itself to raise the net once a year and take all the balls. That's uh, all. That's <laughs> why you got that frogman down there. Yeah, okay. that's true. Yeah. Searching for that stat, I, I didn't get the the exact total, but they do have the amount of balls you know, drain in the water the last few years. It averages around, looks like in the, in the forties, mid forties. What the heck happened in 2007 where they had 93 balls into the water really? on okay. 17. So this, this only goes to 2019 where there was yeah. 45 balls, 53, 69, 36. Had they changed, had they changed the dynamics or, or nope. put the hole back a bit? Nope. Maybe just a windy, windy day. Oh, okay. That's, okay. What, I, that's okay. what I would be guessing. How many amateur balls are in their chair? <laughs> well, that was the thing. So they tweeted out something from the official yeah. players championship Twitter yesterday. And again, I'm, I'm fuzzy on the numbers, but it was like they invited 95 amateurs okay. to go out and try to hit the green. And they put together about a four minute compilation. First of all, there's some people with some really bad swings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but that's all good. Uh, uh, and whatever the number was, uh, it was a phenomenal amount of balls that we okay, got yeah. hit. In the wall. It's only about, well, depending on where they put the tees, but mm-hmm. it's in and around 130 or 140 mm-hmm. yards. It is not a very long shot. Yeah. But I'm sure as you're standing there on the tee, oh. and I know a couple of people that have, that have played yeah. it, and obviously Kevin yeah. Hayne has played it a bunch of times. Uh, you know, when you're standing there on the tee, even though it's 130 yards, you know, when it's all water in front of you, oh. it's incredibly intimidating. Well, and depth perception. Then the other part, Jerry, you have to come in high and, and land it, don't you? Yeah. Like exactly. how many hit and then end up rolling off? So how firm they end up wanting to play it? Now, I'd also say this, not not for the golfers like myself, but, you know, if you're a pretty good golfer, well, doing that on a regular round also is a whole lot different than having to do it in a in a major championship, right? Like, yeah. come on, all of a sudden you just clam up just a tad as you're going in there, you're in contention, and the fact that it's at the end of your round is pretty cool too. And and it is TPC Sawgrass, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's got one of the uh, the 16, 17, 18 at that course is just three completely different holes and three phenomenally hard holes. So really great theater. So yeah. anyway, that starts tomorrow, runs uh, through the weekends. We'll talk to Bob Weeks later on. Also, also neat, Jer, when you're designing a course, because there are a lot of beautiful courses in the world, and you think about Pebble Beach, of course, but, you know, 
I wonder if they really had any idea how this would distinguish them, right? I mean, you mentioned that hole, and it's one of the most, you know, the most iconic holes in, in golf, right? You know, that's pretty cool. Pretty good way to uh, to build a golf course and, and be, be known for that. Absolutely. All right, coming up uh, this hour, we've got a code word for us in our Great Sense Jersey giveaway contest, your first of the day. And uh, if you got at least one code word into us yesterday, stand by. At some point this morning, we'll announce uh, our grand prize winner, our latest winner of a beautiful Pro Adidas uh, Thomas Shabbat jersey. Somebody wins that. If you got a code word into us yesterday, uh, we'll do six code words again, to get at, uh, again today, starting at some point this hour. Also... You're going to be wanting wanting to listen to our little snippet of Kiss music that you're going to hear at some point as well. Do we want to play it right now? Don't call us now. This is not the official playing of it. This is the this is what you're going to want to be listening for. Hinty, hinty. You make yeah. a party into three syllables. A party, yeah. party. Yeah. Um, all right. So that uh, is what you're going to be listening for when you hear it. Be caller number 13, 613-750-1200 or star 1200, and you've won Beat the Box Office tickets to see KISS in concert November 21st. It's never too early to start planning what you're going to do in November on Tuesday night. Uh, Tickets, by the way, for the show go on sale Friday morning through Ticketmaster. And, And we are continuing along with the Zoob jersey giveaway, right? The Zoob is happening at, yes. Yeah. So we're doing, uh, six weeks of jersey giveaways. Yeah. Six different players. So we yeah. have. Uh, so we did Kachuk in week one, Stutzla week two, Shabbat this week. Um. Uh. Yeah. Now you said I it. No, I was trying. No, no. Sander, Sanderson, 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 Norris, Norris. Nope, not Norris. No, okay, and then Zub. Uh. Jeez. I had it written. Down. Oh, it's Gyrox. It's got to be Gyrox. Oh, yeah. Claude Giroux next yeah. week. Yeah. Okay. Jake Sanderson yeah. the week after that, and okay. then we finish with Zub. Okay, because I, I had suggested the possibility of adding Chicker and taking out Zub, and yeah. quite interestingly, as I entered the CTC, I was uh, ambushed by a couple of the staff there that was not very happy about that. They they did not want any uh, any thought of of taking away the Zub jersey week. So. Yeah, no, you're the Zub, you're the Zub guy. On I know. The show. I, I was know. shocked when you oh, suggested I know. That. I know, but it was pretty funny that they uh, they got a reaction. The Zub uh, the Zub jerseys are already are already uh, they're already at the. Uh, at the at the store. Oh, nice. They're already being done up. Is that where up. you get sense jerseys? Yes, at the store. At the store? Yes, that's wow. that's where we don't hand make them ourselves. Uh, the, the two with the Zoob is easiest to manufacture. <laughs> it <too>. is. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so that's uh, coming up uh, week number six. Uh, but Thomas Shabbat jerseys uh, this week. Speaking of concerts, by the way, I should mention that uh, Peter, they announced yesterday, right out of the blue, I didn't even know he was on tour. Uh, didn't even know he was alive. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Gabriel is coming to Ottawa. Uh, as well for a show uh, in uh, early September. He hasn't played in Ottawa in 35 years, since back in the uh, late 1980s at Lansdowne Park. So Peter Gabriel coming to town. He had the big video in the 80s, right? Um, He had a few, but yeah. Yeah, ended up having to come back. No, this is terrible to say. Is he original member? Genesis. Okay. I thought he was Led Zeppelin. Okay. <laughs> and it's now we know who won't be buying tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I love Peter Gabriel with Led Zeppelin. Oh, I was so mad when he left the band. Oh, and we're he was great the- with the Who as well. I actually saw where Roger Daltrey turned like eighty years old the other day. Jr. Like these these guys, man. It's for for the lives that they lived. Like Keith Richards, it's pretty amazing that they're alive. I guess when you make enough much money, then healthcare. <laughs> That you're afforded helps things along, but it's pretty neat to see not only that they're alive, but they're still out playing. And it's since uh, you talk about concerts, stand-up comedian, and this is, I mean, this is true to the hearts of Steve Lloyd. Mm. Bill Burr coming to town as well. 
Tickets on sale. I think there's a pre-sale today and then to the general public tomorrow. Mm. He's coming to town at the NAC April 2nd. NAC. NAC. April 2nd. So you you don't have to wait until November for KISS. It's just next month. Okay. All right. Yes, he has a uh, well. You, Huge we play, sports fan too. Massive big Boston fan. guy, right? Big Boston guy. We play a lot of Bill Burr. Oh our, yes, we do. Uh, yeah, watch well, his uh, his little special. Was it South Dakota that he played in Hammer? Yeah, uh, the Red Rock Canyon or something like cafe. That's in Colorado, isn't it? Was Red Rocks out, outside. Colorado. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Close. <laughs> yeah, we we play a lot of his. Kind of like Peter Gabriel. With, <laughs> wow, I gotta Led Zeppelin. I take a little break here. <laughs> Stand down, simmer with the music. <laughs> okay, let's get to the news of the day. Uh, went through, uh, uh, um, you know, not a great day for the Sens last night on the out of town scoreboard in, ter- in terms of results. Pretty much uh, everybody uh, that they're battling with won last night, except for Buffalo, and they lost to the Islanders, which is one of the other teams the Sens are chasing. But anyway, uh, the news on Tyler Boucher. Uh, came out uh, last night, confirmed by our own uh, Kenny Walls, original report in Ladois that Tyler Boucher uh, re-aggravated a shoulder injury in a game in Kingston uh, on Friday. This was an injury he fr- initially suffered uh, at the World Juniors, had missed a bunch of time, had just come back, I think played four games. Uh, and now, uh, according to Dave Cameron, head coach of the 67s, uh, it looks like his season and his junior hockey career is uh, now over. Uh, they are, uh, well, obviously have turned things over to the Sens because uh, as a Sens prospect, uh, the Sens will take over things uh, from here, but yeah. uh, and there'll be a final evaluation. Uh, but uh, Dave Cameron uh, saying that uh, in all likelihood he's going to need surgery and therefore miss the next three to four months uh, and uh, be ready in time for next season, by which time, well, I mean, he'd still be eligible, I guess, as an overager, but I think the Sens at this point uh, will probably want to turn him pro and yeah, we'll see yeah. him next, I guess, down in Belleville next yeah. season. Yeah, and crazy too, and I'll take this from a shoulder standpoint, uh, strangely, and I know Dave Poole and a bit of a discussion we had here talking about contact, but I really kind of look at this and you're trying to be, this isn't Sens related per se, but when you've had Pinto to White, uh, to Norris, and now in this case Boucher, and I also look at Cole Caulfield, both of the Hughes boys, and I'd like to dig a little deeper, but I think all of these players have attended the U.S. development program, and it's just interesting, and I'm not saying there aren't lots of shoulder injuries nowadays, JR, but man, that's a lot of kids that are coming through now. I could certainly, in the case of Jack Hughes, understand that he was a boy when he came in the NHL, and you're asking for trouble. But as you start to track some of this, it's it's interesting that, you know, for a program that puts a lot into development, is there something, I don't know, overtraining or overstressing? But well, that's a lot of kids out of that program that are coming up with these shoulder injuries. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, again, with the Sens alone, and I know they've got a lot of American-born prospects, yeah. uh, but... Uh, just follow that, and this is all within the past, you know, two years or less uh, of Colin White to then Shane Pinto last year, uh, to obviously Josh Norris this year, to now Tyler Boucher. All of them suffering significant shoulder injuries, which uh, caused them to miss months and months and months, and in some cases needing surgery. Yeah, and uh, you know there is a common denominator now. Yeah. You know, um, again, not to suggest that shoulder injuries aren't suffered by by players of other nationalities, oh, sure, but I, yeah. I just, I, I wonder if there's something along the lines of, to, to your point of the way they put together their, their program, um, whether there is, whether that is a common denominator, as I said, this is all just, just coincidence yeah, oh, no, and, yeah, yeah, just and it's, bad luck. And it's all talk, you know, but I, I just, one of the things, and again, the American programs overall, and one of the things we talk about with the NCAA, they've always done a very good job. And because of the game ratio to training, it's always been very helpful. What is just different there is that you're still dealing with boys, right? 
you know, you got a U17, U18 team, 16 to 17 year olds. And what happened in my era of hockey, JR, is that there were a ton of guys. The bench press was both a, a exercise, but a vanity thing. And there are a lot of players in the 80s that wrecked their shoulders just off of the bench press because that's what everybody wanted to do. There's lots of programs now. You know, the training has really changed. But the point being, in that program, a big part of it is physical development and spending a lot of time in the gym. So, yeah, it just kind of it piques your interest. And you look at a guy like Stu. Now, Brady Chuck was also there. Um, but that's a, you know, but yeah, you, you just kind of comb through Sens players over the years. And when you've got four Americans, and as I said, Caulfield to... You know, and now you can say Drysdale blew it out his knee, but I, I don't know. Yeah, that to me kind of piques my interest as to uh, maybe what some of these kids are doing at a young age of maybe overlifting or whatever. So, yeah, lots of uh, bad luck here. Now, nice part is uh, surgery these days. You get her done and you're ready to rock and yeah, roll. We've seen with Shane Pinto this year, it looks like he's uh, like 100%. That yeah, you don't even think about shoulder it. Shoulder yeah. injury is. And uh, White's played know. almost all the games, yeah. I think, in Florida. Right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the crossing your fingers that Josh Norris will return next season and he'll be uh, good to go as well. But uh, uh, for Tyler Boucher, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of different concerns. The, you know, the big one for him is this is not. He is star crossed when it comes to injuries. Like he will have played now since he left BU at the, uh, you know, halfway through last hockey season and came to the 67s uh, for the second half of last year. Between that and this year, uh, with the various injuries that he's had, he'll have only played 45 games. Yeah, 21 the, last year, six, 24 this year. Yeah. Throwing a little bit of World Junior, but yeah, not much. Four, four playoff games, and then I think five games at the World Juniors. Yeah. Now he played 17 games. So if you do all the math, so he played, uh, what, 38 games uh, last year, and then this year will be uh, in and around 30 or so, or thereabouts. Talking about a guy who's played about 70 games. And the year before that, which oh, was, with COVID. of course, pandemic yeah, yeah. And, and COVID, and he had COVID and everything. He just, over the last three seasons, has just not played a lot of hockey. No, we talked about this player uh, in terms of, you know, what is the biggest thing that he needs to do? Because a lot of people, when he was drafted, said, oh, it's a reach, you know, sends... Sens could have picked him later on, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and coming to Ottawa, it was all about, well, uh, we know from the physical point of view that he's, that he's built and he can hit. And that part of his game is very well developed. Uh, but, you know, the actual skills with the puck on his stick, that's what needs the development, that part of it. And, hey, junior hockey would be a good opportunity for him to do that. And, unfortunately, through just a lot of injury, he just hasn't had a chance to play. And so that, that is now disappearing by the time we see him again. He's in all likelihood going to be in uh, Belleville and have to start all over again. Yeah, and I think also a little frustration. It was old Super Dave Branch. Was it, is it 11 games that he was suspended for this year, Jer? Did he not have a five and a sixer? Like yeah. he, he got yeah. hit pretty hard by the OHL on what seemed to be pretty suspicious. Yeah, a really big hit in the oh. game here in which, uh, you know, and it was... Well, another one where he, he jumped in for a teammate and they suspended mm-hmm. him, which I didn't think was all that big of a deal. But, now, yeah, yeah, as you said, it, I'm sure it's frustrating for him, his family, and... Uh, you know, if you're if you're doing everything right at the end of the day, you get hurt. What are you going to do? And by all accounts, he's a good pro and a hard worker. And this is, I guess, all part of the process. You hope you can get to the other side and mature physically and get your body ready to rock and roll and become an NHL player. Uh, Dave uh, Cameron, the 67's head coach, uh, telling Ladois, quote, I feel terribly for Tyler. Uh, it's a blow for our team, but for him, it's even worse. He loves to play hockey. He's a good teammate. Can't manage to put together a good streak of uh, games. He's devastated by the news, and it saddens everyone uh, around him. Yeah. Uh, that from uh, Dave Cameron, the 67's coach, well, from the news of Tyler Boucher. And we, I know they have been on a heater, and I don't, wouldn't pretend to know the OHL, but I will say uh, we went to the game against Gatineau, and they dropped both of those games here. That certainly was my thought walking away of, 
I certainly could use Tyler Boucher in that if that's what they're going to see in the OHL playoffs because Gatineau was just bigger, faster, and stronger and just really dominated them that two-game set. 21 games for uh, Tyler Boucher this season for the 67s. Uh, 10 goals and 18 points. So, um, you know, put that over a full season and, uh, you know, in a 70-game in a season or 68-game season, he's in and around 35 goals and, uh, you know, around 60, 65 points. Nothing wrong with that given uh, nope. uh, everything else that he uh, that he brings to the table. So, anyway, that's the unfortunate news on uh, Tyler Boucher. And I, I don't know that we're ever going to get an answer. Um, you know, there probably isn't an answer uh, to that question of, you know, why Why in particular with the Sens prospects? I don't think it's Senator-related. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure it isn't because we've got guys from – but but the, the common denominator is where they where they all come from. Yeah. And, and Cole Caulfield. Add Cole Caulfield to the list as well, uh, even though he plays for Montreal. Well, and uh, both of the Hughes boys, uh, yeah. you know, both. But as I said, I it's not – I'm not – you know, you're not throwing act yet. A lot of guys have come through that program and gone on to have great careers, but it is just a little on the strange side. And to that point as well – like it's not like Tyler Boucher has had a lot to do with the Sens training program, right? Based on COVID and other than coming up for a summer thing, you know, he has been doing his own thing. And again, uh, everyone talks about how hard he works and that is kind of the balance. And and when I look at shoulder injuries, JR, and people trying to come up with, hey, why is this happening? I, I think there's lots of reasons. I think that a lot of these guys are singular athletes. I think the training now has kind of crossed the line where there's too much and quite simply, growing up for a lot of them, there's too many games. And then, obviously, as you graduate to the pro level, um, you understand that as good as these players are, and I use Hughes as an example, um, both just looking at him physically, he's still a boy. He was a boy when he came into the NHL. I don't care how good you are. At that point, you're asking for some trouble. Yeah, if I remember Jack Hughes' injury, the shoulder injury, that was when he got smoked into the boards by somebody, some yeah, yeah. some bigger, stronger, uh, you know, more veteran yeah. player. Yeah. Um, Whereas, and I, 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 I don't uh, know what the Tyler Boucher one was against Kingston, whether it was uh, him delivering a hit, getting a hit, uh, something totally innocuous. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and Colin White, that was him falling, yeah. right, in an, in an awkward way. Uh, the Shane Pinto one was him being hit into the boards, right at kind of that wrong spot, right, where he just cracked in, right into the corner uh, of the boards as well. So they've all been kind of different yeah, in their oh, own sure. way. There's yeah. there's no, no. no kind of commonality there as well. No, and, and yeah, when it comes to collision, anything can happen. The question for me behind the scenes, like is, has there been wear and tear? Has there been certain strain, you know, training that has put more stress on the joints that's made uh, players more susceptible? Or just, hey, understanding based on percentage, forget about it being American. We've got more and more young men coming into the National Hockey League and realization of that the upper body is built a little different than it was back in the day and guys are lean and strong through the core i mean is it a bit of an issue and and the chances of in a long season it's going to happen anyway uh so injury aside uh if tyler boucher if and when i tyler boucher returns to full health um and, and again the 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 pick has been you know widely panned as a reach by the ottawa senators you still look at from the Unfortunately, limited viewings we had uh, we have of him uh, as a player who is going to play in the National Hockey League at some point, and if so, what do you foresee as his role? Uh, well, I, I'd say touch and go. Uh, now the injuries, I'll move that aside. Should he become healthy, um, I still have concerns about his field of the game, Jr. Um, to me, I understand the impact when he can make contact. If he is going to make the NHL, uh, I look at him as being a foot soldier, uh, bottom six. I don't see anything beyond that, so. We'll see where it goes, but I, I'm certainly not bullish on the player. There's too much, and I know he can be flashy at times with his shot. He can make contact at times, but there's also lots of sequences. And again, I'm only going small sample sizes here, but when I watch him where he's not really involved in the play, and 
not really around the puck either, so I think he's got a long ways to go. All right, 735, our TSN 1200 tool and equipment store web poll question, which ran through the day yesterday, was on uh, the future of Alex Debrinkat, which, you know, with the Sens in Chicago, his first uh, game back in uh, Chicago since the trade to Ottawa, and again with his uh, future somewhat uh, in question contractually uh, at the very least as uh, his deal is done at the end of this year. Uh, and then he would be one year away from unrestricted free agency. Uh, what will the Sens do with Alex at this summer? That was our question, as in we're asking for your prediction, not what you hope or uh, will do, but what you think the Sens are going to do with at Three options, sign him to a long-term extension uh, in the summer, qualifying him uh, at the $9 million figure he'll need to be qualified at, which allows you to keep his rights for another year and kind of, kicks a final decision down the road at least a little bit, or do you think that they will trade uh, Alex Debrinkat this summer? Uh, over 2,300 votes, so I think pretty good sample yeah. size. And with That's with all our web poll, poll yeah, once, uh, once you get to over about 100 votes, the uh, percentages don't change very much. 63% think the Sens are eventually going to sign Alex Debrinkat to a long-term contract. 20%, 20.4% think they're going to qualify him at that $9 million figure. And... Figure it out from there. Seventeen uh, percent believe that they will be trading Alex DeBrincat this summer. So when you hear the results of the poll, and uh, you and I vote uh, both voted for sign him to a long term deal. And again, this is what we think is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, do the the results kind of surprise yeah. you in any way whatsoever? Uh, no, no. Again, everyone looks at it has different opinions here. I, I just like I said, this is a really interesting circumstance. And as you get to the summertime, you know, I'm I, I, if I was to rank this. I would assume, and a lot is, has to do with ownership, but my first guess would be a long-term extension. My second would be that you qualify him and keep him, and then you hope you get a deal done during the year, which can't be done until January 1st. And I'm only saying this because I don't really know the scenario of flipping him out to another team unless they've already worked out a contract extension, which can happen. We saw that with Matthew Kachuk, but like I said, that that's easier said than done at the same time. So like I say, it was a tricky situation when they took the player on, and uh, very intrigued. What about yourself? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking I do my some of my best thinking in the shower yeah, about this yeah. question. This I morning. use I like the bathtub. I don't yeah. know hammer. What do you do? Funny, uh, they, I'm all a sitter. The, all involves water. Yeah, exactly. You're a sitter, yeah. as in what? What does that mean? I'm in. I'm you in said the bathroom. sitter, right? I'm in yeah. the bathroom. Yeah. Sitter. Okay, sitter. Okay. Um, th- that <laughs> really with the acquisition now of Jake Chikrin, because yeah. you know if we asked this question two weeks ago. I think maybe the results are slightly different in that, you know, then at that point, the where's that other top four D going to come from and, and how how many discussions have happened over the first half of this season of, well, maybe it'll end up being Debrinkat, you know, with the contract up in the air, him being flipped out, and that is what is going to bring in uh, that that uh, that top four D they've been looking for forever. Well, now they've made the deal. They brought Jake Chikrin in. Yeah. They have stability now on defense uh, with a – you know, a rec, uh, a top four that I think is the best it's been in Ottawa for a long time on paper. And uh, and I think, you know, if everything kind of pulls together in the way that they want, I think it's it's a pretty good top four that I was going to have going forward. So that, that question has somewhat been answered. So then, and the goaltending is voodoo, who knows? Uh, so then you're kind of, you're going up front and it's like, well, if you trade Alex to Brinkat, what is it that you really need? You, you have your number one center. I think we can all agree in Tim Stutzla. 
you have your another, um, you know, top line center in, in Josh Norris. Fingers crossed that, uh, you know, everything works out well with the surgery and he's back. You know, he's an, an established, good two-way center. In Shane Pinto, I think you've got a really good, young, ascending player that gives you some insulation as well on yeah. Norris. So, you know, for in my hockey team, the two most important positions for me are center and def- and a top three in defense, top two centers and, and, and a top two or three on defense. I got to get those nailed down after that. I kind of just mix and match or whatever. Yeah. So then it becomes, well, I've got my, I got my centers and I've got my D now. So what do I need? Well, I need, I, I'm, you know, I've got Brady Kachuk as my unicorn player that brings physicality and goals and, 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 and leadership and everything you want to the table. What's the other thing I'd like to have? Well, I'd like to have goal scoring. Well, what is that? That that's Alex Brinkatz has been his yeah. calling card. Not as much here in Ottawa this year. Is it this again, a bit of an off year that we saw the one year he had it in Chicago or is this something else? But he, you know, that is that is what Alex Brinkat's been known for. So, are you trading Alex Brinkat, who has been brought here to score goals, for another guy who you hope will score goals? Because that's just kind of doing the same thing, isn't it? And so, that's where I'm kind of left at. Why I think this is eventually what's going to happen is that they're yeah. going to sign him to a long term. Yeah, deal. no, I, I don't disagree. And, and also, um, fast track. I guess you kind of look at the New Jersey model. Uh, the Brinkat situation was different. But now that you've landed Chickard and the type of deal it ends up being, uh, you are fast-tracking this in a sense of, I mean, it has to be playoffs next year. And for the group where it's at, where Drew's at in his career, yeah, no, I agree on Debrinket. And I also think between Bathurst and Debrinket and Shabbat, um, I think uh, in the right circumstance and, and with a bit of a reset, I think all three of them can be even better players. And I don't think any of the three are, are terrible or having, but I, I know, and that's part of being a good team, right? Finding solutions, get everybody firing on on all cylinders, get Norris back. So, yeah, I tend to agree. I guess it's more a question of looking at the dollars and understanding, you know, what the salary cap and everything else, how everything ends up fitting. And then the other part, you know, quite simply, after Greg, there is nothing left in the system. And this has nothing to do with Tyler Boucher's nothing injury. To, nothing top end. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you have given up the seventh pick last year. You've given up your first-round pick this year. You could be a wild year before you're talking about impact players, you know, Clevin, whatever he's going to be, a you know, bottom pair, you know, whatever it ends up being. Yeah. Hey, you, you have really got, yeah, to your point, you, you've made your bed now. Uh, now financially, how does it all fall into place? Yeah. I, I mean, are, are you ending up, you know, if you go down the trade road or art uh, route, are you, are you flipping out Alex Dabrinkat for a younger version version of Alex Dabrinkat or somebody with more uh, contractual stability or yeah. whatever? And again, the, the biggest question mark in all of this is what does Alex Dabrinkat yeah. want to do? I mean, every day that ticks off the calendar uh, toward July first uh, of uh, 2024, puts them that much closer to free yeah. agency, right? Yeah. And um, uh, you know, um, the few interviews that he's done, and he was asked when he was back in Chicago yeah. a couple of days ago. I uh, talked to my agent. Uh, mm-hmm. He, did, I think, Ian did Ian Mendez an interview with him in the Athletic, uh, you know, a few months ago, and which kind of intimated the same thing. I'm, I'm just playing out this year. We'll see how it all goes. We don't have any indication from him as to what he wants to do. And maybe he doesn't, maybe, genuinely, maybe he doesn't want to, yeah. uh, doesn't want to and uh, make a decision. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the Sens are really pushing him on it while this hockey season is ongoing, but it is going to be a decision that will have to be made this summer. I don't think there's if, if Sands or butts about it. And I don't like the idea, just to finish up, of just qualifying him and kicking the can down the road. Uh, that that scares me, and I've got PTSD from Mark Stone yeah. uh, from the way that uh, all played itself out. And and yeah. and, and no, I, I know it's yeah. different circumstances, yeah. but it's kind of the same as well. And, boy, 
you start getting into the it's it's a little like roulette where you get into the final year of a contract oh, with a high-end player yeah. who can see free agency in the distance get closer and closer they get more and more leverage yeah. every day uh, in that final uh, season of the contract. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the question would be, though, if he decides to just take his qualifying offer, what value does he have in the league at $9 million? So, And can you cash out at that point? Then the other part, should you ever keep him on the $9 million, pretty good chance you're going to exhaust the asset. You're not trading him at the deadline. So, yeah, I'd also say this, that a part of this is the new ownership component. Uh, you would look at the team, you would look at the circumstance, and unless he just absolutely has a team in mind or a place that he wants to go, I mean, I've got to think that Ottawa's got as good a chance as anybody if they're willing to step up and offer him a long-term deal a year up from free agency. I mean, we're not, we're talking about a guy who's played in two places in his NHL career, and if you count junior hockey, not like Erie, Pennsylvania uh, is uh, known for the great weather, and then you got Chicago and you got Ottawa, and he's from Michigan. So we're not talking yeah. about a guy who's... Like from the southern U.S., he's like, oh, man, I got to yeah. get to. I need some sunshine. I need some vitamin D, man. Anyway, uh, thoughts on that? Continue to share it. You can text us at 121200. Tweet at us at TSN 1200. There is an inexhaustible supply of uh, storylines with Alex Debrinkat alone. All right, Sens and Kraken coming up tomorrow night. They're back on the practice ice today when we return. Speaking of warmer climbs, down to Florida we go. Bob Weeks, TSN golf analyst, will join us from the Players' Championship next on TSN 1200. This is TSN 1200. Welcome back, 748. JR Simmer and Hammer with you. Minus 14 with the wind chill right now uh, here in Ottawa as I look at the uh, weather in Jacksonville, Florida, which is uh, pretty much uh, where they're playing the Players' Championship Golf Tournament this weekend, the unofficial fifth major. It is at 748 in the morning, 19 degrees Celsius, 66 Fahrenheit. (laughs) Oh, man. Our next guest probably tanning it up right now. It's Bob Weeks, TSN Golf Analyst, uh, joining us in the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. How you doing this morning, Bob? Uh, it's 18 and windy here. Oh, That's okay. the forecast at the moment. Good <laughs> okay. for you. <laughs> okay, all good, all good. Um, uh, you're excited to be out on the road. This is the unofficial fifth major. This is such a great... Can you describe uh, that particular golf course and what makes it so alluring, not just for the pros that play it, but for fans to go out and watch the tournament? Well, I think everybody sort of looks at this course and thinks of the 17th hole, which is the famous par 3 um, with water, but basically almost all the way around it, and it's uh, that that's kind of a marquee hole. But the golf course itself is one that's unique in, in in my opinion, on on the PGA Tour, in that it really doesn't favor any particular kind of golfer. So if you're a long hitter or a short hitter, you can play well here. If you're a good putter or a bad putter, you can play well here. There's just no kind of uh, singular advantage here. You have to have a well-rounded game to play well here in this on this uh, course. And I think it's come a long way because when it first started here which is going to be which is this is the 49th edition of it back in the early days the players hated this golf course so much they uh, they almost rebelled and refused to play it the second time out so it's come a long way they've massaged it a little bit but it's uh, it's a real challenge if you win the players championship you've played four rounds of very good golf how much of a factor is the win bob well it's going to play a little bit i don't think uh i don't know how how much it's going to continue to blow it's supposed to blow quite strong today and then the next couple of days i think sort of start to simmer down but i think it 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 will be a factor in some respects um you don't need much wind to make it a difficult golf course obviously especially if you're standing over your tee shot on 17 but it will it will play i think mostly it's going to get a little bit cooler uh and it's going to be mostly sunny maybe a little chance of rain on friday so i think we're in for some some good weather you've been playing golf all your life you're a good golfer 
How many times have you played the 17th, and what's the Bob Weeks success rate at getting the ball <laughs> on the green? You know, I have never played the TPC soccer. What? So how about that? So what? my record is perfect. My wow. Is perfect. <laughs> but here's here's a here's an interesting stat for you. Two Canadians uh, are are my my uh, co-host uh, Graham Dillette and Adam Hadwin are perfect in their uh, in their attempts at getting on the 17th in competition. So they both uh, Adam is con- continuing on obviously this week, but Graham Dillette was perfect in his career here. Never dunked one in the water. Wow. That's a pretty rare thing to say. It is not that long a hole. Uh, depending on where they put the tee blocks. Uh, but, of course, there's it's just water. And then uh, is it visually as intimidating in person as it appears to be on TV? <laughs> yes, of course. So I would say it's about 135 yards. So depending on the wind, it's usually like a nine iron for these guys, sometimes a wedge. Um, but it's tough to sort of judge the wind. It's tough to figure out where the breezes are coming from. And depending on where they put the pin, there's kind of two tiers to the green. Um, you really can't be aggressive, or if you do, it's generally by mistake. If you get the ball very close to the hole, depending on where it is, especially if it's sort of down front right where they usually put it on Sunday. But you stand, you basically start to look at that hole when you finish 16. There's sort of a long walk along the water, and you stare out at this thing, and the green looks tiny from, from where you are. Visually, you don't see a lot of it. It's not really sort of tilted up, so you can't really see a whole bunch. You see all the bulkheads, and you see the water. And again, it's surrounded by uh, it's surrounded by by stands, so it's tough to pick up the breezes. You're looking at flags and you're looking at trees, and you're trying to figure out exactly where it's coming from. And then you just have to have the courage to stand over it and pull the trigger. Does it also make it tougher, Bob, that it does come at the end of your round, depending where your pressure point, or I guess depending how you played that day? Yeah, very much so. I mean, a lot of players say they would like the hole if it was the sixth or the eighth or something like that, but it really does play a, a large part in determining. Um, the outcome of this tournament. Really, the last three holes. There's a there's a sort of a I wouldn't say easy, but easy-ish par five on 16 that a lot of guys will birdie and some will eagle, and then 18 maybe the most underrated, difficult hole on the PGA Tour to try and get the ball uh, in in the fairway. There's water all down the left, and if you have a, a lead, obviously you're going to play safe, but you don't have much room there because if you're a little bit too far to the right, you end up in in a bunch of thick trees. So. Um, it's uh, it's a tough finish, those three holes, but certainly 17 is the one that stands out. Uh, Bob Weeks, TSN Golf Analyst, is at the Players' Championship, joining us uh, live from uh, Florida this morning. Uh, Cam Smith is the defending uh, champion uh, in this event. Cam Smith is no longer a PGA Tour member. He jumped over to live. How much has that been a topic this week in the lead-up to the tournament? It has been. It was asked at the press conference with uh, Commissioner Jay Monahan yesterday if he sort of felt disappointed, but uh, I think everyone sort of realizes that the Cam Smith and the rest of the live players who aren't here made a choice, and then this is the choice that they're going to have to live by. They're not going to be here. Now, it's interesting that Cam Smith lives here in Jacksonville, so he actually hinted at one point that he might buy a ticket and come and watch. <laughs> no, I'm not sure if he's going to do that or not. I did see Harold Varner, though, last year at the President's Cup, so that was that was interesting. So he did come out and watch, but um, you know, Cam Smith is, is going to be missed. He's the defending champion. No one has gone back-to-back here in this tournament. No one's won two in a row. So it would have been nice to, to see him have a chance. He's a, he's a wonderful player, but um, unless something drastic changes in the next couple of years, I don't think we're going to see Cam or the other guys around here for a while. Does it feel like something's missing, Bob, when you come to a major like this with all the players left for the Live Tour? Not too much, to be honest with you. I mean, you do sort of miss some of the guys, Dustin Johnson or, or Cam Smith, but there's you know there's... There's a lot of really good young players out here right now. We've seen these new designated tournaments where all the best players are playing over the last few weeks with 
uh, Phoenix, where you had John Rahm and, and Scotty Scheffler in the last group, and last week with uh, all the top, well, a lot of the top names right up near the, the leaderboard, the top of the leaderboard. So there's, there's guys who are filling in their places, as I suspect there will, and there's you know guys who are playing on live and, and doing well over there as well. But I think right now you're seeing enough firepower from the players who are still here uh, to make it, uh, to make it, I don't know if you want to say forget about those guys, but they're not really a hot topic here other than the fact that Cam Smith, the defending champions, not in the field. We put, uh, Bob, so much focus on the four majors, and rightfully so. That's what a lot of the best players in the world, they, they, they focus and uh, you know on, on trying to ramp up and be at their best for the four majors. This is known as the unofficial fifth major. How much does it mean to the players themselves to win this particular tournament? This is the closest you can get to winning a major without actually winning a major. I would say it's usually the deepest field in golf uh, outside of the four majors. It's it's a big tournament in terms of purse. So the purse is $25 million here. Someone's going to go home. I think it's around $4 million is the first prize. And you're you're playing on a, on a challenging golf course against the best, and that's always a good sign for, for the winner out here that he's, he's accomplished something. So I think they do look at this. You look at the list of players, champions. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very group. It's long hitters, short hitters, um, older guys, younger guys. I can still remember watching Stephen Ames play here in 2006. Probably, I would say in my career, that his last round was the best I've ever seen anybody hit a golf ball for 18 holes. So, you know, he, he looks back at that and says, yeah, that's, that's, I agree with that. That's kind of my major. Um, and then some of the other guys do as well. So I think there's, there's a real importance to this tournament, um, whether it's uh, in their legacy or whether it's uh, in their in their dreams <laughs> coming forward and hoping to win. Uh, it's a big, big it's a big, big week for everybody. Who's your favorite Canadian going in, Bob? Boy, that's tough. They're all playing really well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe say Corey Connors. He kind of had a a little bit of a breakthrough last week. He played well for three rounds. I think his his game is uh, more suited to the Florida courses than the West Coast. So he had a bit of a rough start in the West Coast, but. I think I liked what I saw. I talked to him a little bit on the range yesterday and saw him out there. So any one of those five that are in the field, though, has, has a legitimate shot. All right. Good stuff. Uh, you've got – and by the way, what uh, – uh, Graham Dillette's must I, – I saw your stand-up yesterday. He's your co-host, as you said. He's doing uh, – he's got almost the evil villain uh, mustache thing. Does, does he ask your help in waxing that thing every morning or what? <laughs> No, but we're calling him Snidely Whiplash on okay. the bowling hole. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right, good stuff. Bob Weeks is at the Players' Championship. He'll have it covered, and TSN has coverage uh, of uh, all the rounds starting tomorrow through Sunday. Always a great watch. Bob, appreciate the time. Enjoy the tournament. Okay, stay warm up there. All right, thank you. There's Bob Weeks joining us on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. Gabriel Pizza, the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators, and uh, in what is a uh, cold weekend ahead, it looks like, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. I always makes This is one of the tournaments I actually, on, on Saturday and Sunday, I like yeah. to put well, aside a couple hours to make sure I watch it. Well, the visual's fun, right? I mean, that is the cool part. And at times, you go to a restaurant or something, you see it on, and you have to remind yourself that is the same planet we're living on. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. Uh, we, signed, we knew what we signed up for. It's early March in Ottawa, and we don't expect a whole lot better. All right. Well, I... Hammer, why don't you uh, why don't you be our on-site correspondent? You're going down to Florida. Oh, You're yeah. leaving on uh, little pit stop. Yeah. yeah, I think when I get to Jacksonville, I still have seven hours to go. Oh my god, maybe eight. Wow, isn't that isn't that sickening? And you'll have been on the road for how long at that point? Seven, uh, at 16 that point, or seventeen? Yeah, exactly. Fifteen yeah. hours. Well, I'm sure the family will be. Everybody will be in a great mood at oh, that hour. Oh, we're going to be smiling, laughing, <laughs> telling jokes. It's going to be a bonding <laughs> sesh. You'll be this- dropping bombs. <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest minivan ride ever. All right, seven fifty-eight. We'll take a break. Top of the hour news and sports update is on the way. Dave Poulin 
is our uh, TSN Hockey Insider. Uh, We'll talk all things NHL with Dave when we return right here on Sports Radio, TSN 1200.